Well, thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, I am privileged to get to preach this evening. Uh, pray for Patrick, actually. He's uh, helping run the teen service right now. He was delivering the message to the teens today. Uh, but I would, if I could, ask you to turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm just going to read one verse this evening. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, verse 13, a famous verse here is verse 12, but we're going to bypass that. Now go over to verse 13. The Bible says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to preach. I pray that you would use me now. For your honor and glory, we pray in your name. Amen. What captivates you? What, what gets your attention? What makes you turn your head to notice? What makes you click on something? What gets your attention? Between algorithms and advertising, uh, billboards that you may uh, see on the road, while you're uh, scrolling through uh, the, the internet, pop-ups arise, and these things are geared to, to flash and to get your attention. Sometimes it's uh, vocal, you'll hear something, it'll draw your attention. Uh, a, a noise maybe you're not used to, or a noise that maybe doesn't belong in the situation that you're in, and it makes you turn your head. You're driving down the road, you hear a horn honking, you hear tires screeching, things you don't want to hear, things that... that that gets your attention. We live in a world that's constantly trying to get your attention. I mentioned the word algorithm, and I don't really know all how this makes sense. You could ask Pastor Devian later if you'd like. But it's amazing how you can be, you could, you could go to search something on the internet. Uh, for instance, uh, lately I've been trying to do some research on tablets, wanting to get, this is Lydia, a tablet. So I've been doing a lot of research and uh, you come across these, uh, uh, these, these websites that say top 10 tablets for 2020. Don't always trust those, but sometimes they're a good place to start. And so you, you research for a couple minutes on tablets. Well, it's amazing the next three months of your life, everywhere, every time you're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or you're just looking at something, an ad will pop up. And what do you think that ad is advertising? A tablet. How does it know that? It's so convenient. I was just looking that up the other day. And everywhere you go, people, the world, and businesses, and they're getting smarter and smarter at it. They're learning how, or they're learning what we like so that they can get our attention, so that they can get us to buy what they want, so that they can get us to, to click on the button that they like. And it's amazing how easy it is to get our attention. These businesses have to keep creating new ways to get our attention because our attention spans shrink or we get tired of something. So they have to change it up, change the colors, change the size, change the look. I feel like a lot of churches are trying to do that today. They feel like their church members are bored. They, they come to church yawning and tired and they don't really sing anymore. I mean, we got to, we got to, we got to, Make them excited again. We got to get their attention. So let's change our style of music and let's change this and change that. 
We consider today that the world is always trying to get your attention, but might I add, the devil is always constantly trying to get our attention. And perhaps somebody listening right now, the devil already has your attention. And sometimes the devil, he doesn't need your attention for long. You're, you're a Christian, you're looking at Christ, your attention's on him, and the devil's off to the side. He's just trying to you know, do what he can to, to get you to just to look away just for a second, even, even just for a second. Sometimes the attention of a second is all it takes to get your mind in a place where it shouldn't be. The devil has got us. The world is vying for your attention. The devil is vying for your attention. Your family, your kids are vying for your attention. Attention, attention, attention. So my question to you is this. Who or what do we give our attention to? What do you give your attention to? The Apostle Paul, in this chapter, he's writing to Timothy. Somebody he's been training, somebody he, he looks to. Though he's younger, he respects Timothy greatly. He's pastoring a church and he's giving Timothy advice. And, and in this verse, he gives Timothy three strong suggestions to give his attention to. If I could direct your attention back to verse 13, the Bible says, Till I come, this is Paul saying, Timothy, until I come back, give attendance or give attention to reading. That's the first thing he says. Timothy, to keep your mind occupied, read. It's amazing when you think about what draws our attention, what gets our attention. If we don't purposely give attention to something, we will by default be, uh, allow the world to tell us what our attention should be. Our flesh tells us what our attention should be. If we don't purposely decide to do something, then it will be filled by other things. If we don't go out, the, if we don't have a plan for the day, then just whatever is going to happen, which usually means nothing is going to happen. If we don't have a goal in our life, and Tim, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, don't just trudgingly go through life don't just give your attention away to whatever. Here's some, some, some strong suggestions. And, and, and the first one is, Timothy, read. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, raise, raise your hand if, and I know, I know there's nobody actually in the auditorium right now. Pastor Devian, he's, he's back there. And you could raise your hand too, Pastor Devian, if you want. Um, but, you know, it's okay if you raise your hand. Only, it's only your family. And uh, they think you're weird anyway, probably. So it's, it's fine if you raise your hand, okay? So raise your hand if you're not really the reading type. Raise your hand. You would consider yourself not really the reading type. You know, when you're going throughout the day, um, it, you, you come home from a, a long day's work, and you say, you know what? I just want to read a book. You know, my hand is up, by the way. That's, that's not me. If there's a book... If I have nothing to do and there's a book and then there's anything else, uh, I'm going to go to the anything else box. Um, and and uh, I should say that's how I used to be. I'm starting to change slowly. I'll get into that in a second. So we have reading. There are some people, obviously, we know who love reading. 
My mom was one of them. She is a reader. She loves reading. At anything you throw at her, she'll read it. Uh, my wife, Mrs. Lydia, she likes to read. Many of you watching like to read. Maybe you're in between. Maybe it's not your favorite thing to do, but you certainly have no problem reading. Paul is telling Timothy, learn to be a reader. I begin to ask myself, what kind of stuff would Timothy be reading back then? I mean, like today, if there's a topic for everything, and some things are ridiculous. Some people write things on topics, and you, sit, you scratch your head going, why would you, why would you have wasted your life writing a book on that? I don't understand. There's so much to be read today. Back then, they, the, the printing press hadn't been invented. They're, they're uh, 1,500 or so years you know, be, behind that. There, there's, uh, anything that they had was done all by hand, parchments and books, and that, that's what they had. Obviously, we know that Timothy would have had portions of the Old Testament. He would have had some of the writings of the prophets, perhaps. He would have had access to the law. He would have had... Those kinds of things. That, that would have been obviously something Paul had intended for Timothy to, to read. And, uh, but there's no doubt that there were other readings or other writings. I don't have any specific thing for you. I'm sure somebody out there somewhere, uh, I, I'm sure there, are, there were some books that were known back then. We do know that Paul was familiar with some books. Uh, in Acts chapter 17, in verse 28, Paul is on Mars Hill. He's preaching, and in Acts 17, 28, he says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So Paul references some of their poets. So obviously there were people out there who did writings. There was some kind, there was, there was things to be read in Titus chapter 1. In verse 12, this is Paul, he's speaking to Titus about the qualifications of a pastor. And he's talking to Titus, who at this point was living in Crete. He was speaking to the Cretans, and he says uh, in verse 12, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. So he was quoting another Cretan. So there was obviously some kind of writings taking place. And uh, last example here, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul tells Timothy, he says, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. And the books, but especially the parchments. Interesting. Paul was telling Timothy, uh, Perhaps he had forgotten some of these things, or maybe he had left them there for a reason. Maybe he intended to come back and get them. Maybe he had a, a long trip and he needed to lighten his load. So he left behind, apparently, uh, some books. He also left behind a cloak, and he specifically mentions the parchments. So obviously there was books, there was readings, there was things to be read. And Paul was instructing Timothy, learn to read. Give your attention to reading. Reading is one of the best ways to learn, to learn. We go to school. What do we end up doing at school? What were we supposed to do at school? There's a lot of reading to be done. I'll be honest, in high school, I did the absolute minimum 
minimumist amounts. I don't even know. I don't read enough, so I don't know how to say it right. I read that the absolute minimum required to graduate. And I, I regret. I regret not learning as much. Even, and I brought that into college the first couple of years. It took me at least a good year before I realized I really need to read. I really need to comprehend what I'm reading. This is going to help me not just pass school, but in life, the reading. There's so much to be read today. And Paul was no doubt asking and admonishing Timothy to, to keep that personal reading time to yourself. Find material, find things to read, and always be learning. And we know that reading back then is much different than reading is today. Like I said, there's so much information out there. I mean, if you want to figure something out, if you have the patience and time, you could probably find it somewhere and you could learn it. Uh, just a couple, just back in 2016 is when... I bought our, uh, Lydia and I bought our, our first real camera. And when, when we bought this thing, I, it, I didn't really know how to work it. I knew, I knew you could press on, and there was an automatic button on top that, you know, just does most of the job for you. So the first year or so, I didn't really still know much about the camera. But it wasn't until the last year or two where I've been really wanting to get better. I've been wanting to figure out, okay, well, how do I do this? And what happens if I do that? And I want to get some different lenses. What, are that, what does that even mean? Aperture, ISO, I don't understand. Sensor size, what's the difference? Uh, one inch or a, a two inch, three inch? I, I don't understand. And in order to, to make sure I bought the right stuff and in order to make sure I, I was doing the right thing, I didn't waste money what did I have to do? I had to research a lot. And I'm still figuring things out. I'm still trying to understand what all happens, what, what takes place, how, we, how this thing works. And there's so much information out there. It's, it's incredible. But you know, with all this information that we have, it comes a tremendous responsibility. There's a lot of false teachers out there telling us on their vlogs, on their blogs, on their, I guess vlogs, vlogs aren't reading, it's watching, but on their blogs, in their books, and even just listening on the radio, there's a lot of false teachers out there. There's a lot of false information out there. That's a big thing right now. Fake news. Things, people, I guess, just get bored and they just want to see how many people they could mess with. They throw out this false information. There's a lot of sinful reading out there. There's a lot of useless reading, a lot of wasteful reading. And, uh, and, and, and by that, I don't necessarily talking specifically about maybe fiction. Uh, there's a lot of fiction novels and fiction things out there. And, and perhaps there, there are some things that, that are good. There holds a lot of Christian, even fiction, where uh, make up stories, but it has biblical meanings. And not all of that necessarily is bad, but I, I will say that a lot of people spend so much time in, in a fiction world that they neglect the real world. They know more about a fiction world than they do about their own worlds. That is where problems can arise. And believe me, I speak from, I speak from, uh, from, from example. I uh, spent a fair share of my 
my teenage years in fiction worlds like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, and I find myself knowing more about that than even God's own word, that's not good. That's a problem. What kind of reading do you think Paul was telling Timothy? Well, I have no doubts that the reading Paul was instructing Timothy probably uh, went along the lines of what he would tell him in, in the, the next book, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. In verse 15, he would tell Timothy to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He was telling Timothy later on, study, but study God's word. Study wholesome things, things that will make you better and draw you closer to him. Read. I think he, when he said read, he was certainly speaking about public reading, uh, about private reading. But there was also in the Bible a lot of public reading. Perhaps Paul also was admonishing Timothy to not just read privately, but also to read the scriptures publicly. In fact, that's really what I'm doing to you right now. I'm publicly reading to you God's word and, and proclaiming it. This is... A, and this is Another instance, another way that, that people would read back then. Uh, there are several instances in the Bible where somebody would read publicly the word of God. In Acts chapter 13, in verse 15, the Bible says, And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Here's an example of, of reading publicly the words of God. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 2. Bible says, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street, that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. So here's Ezra reading before the people for a good chunk of the day, reading to them out loud the words of God. And perhaps you remember the story. I'll just say it for you. When, when Josiah, he was, when young Josiah was king, Hilkiah the priest in 2 Chronicles 34. He, they were cleaning up the temple and they found the book of the law. And what did he do? Well, he gave it to Shapen who read it before the king. And after he read out loud the words of God, revival broke out. So no doubt Tim, Paul was also admonishing Timothy, privately read God's word, read, read literature, study and grow and, and learn. I mean, Paul knew about the Christians. He, he knew their, poet, their poets. He was able to use that as an illustration to help present the gospel to them. Knowing and learning is good, but there's also a sense of public reading as well. It was admonishing Timothy, continue to read God's word out loud to people, especially should there be people maybe didn't read as well, you could be an example unto them. Paul admonishes Timothy strongly to, first of all, give your attention to reading. And then secondly, verse 13, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, 
And secondly, to exhortation. It's not a word we use very much, exhortation. I mean, what, what's the purpose of personal and public readings anyway? What's the purpose of all that? Well, I think it's so that he could deliver better exhortation. You see, the word exhortation simply means the act of thoroughly urging someone. The act of thoroughly urging someone. You're ex exhorting them. And oftentimes, you can see this word in connection with preaching or with, with, even with praying unto the Lord. Paul was... Um, admonishing Timothy to spend time reading godly things. You see, in this context, in the context of the passage, what was he admonishing Timothy to be urgent about? Well, we know it was about religious, about godly things, things that pertain unto eternity. Paul was telling Timothy, spend time reading godly things so that you can be a better and smarter persuader of the gospel. Study things that will help you be a better Christian so that you can learn to exhort the word of God better. So many times today, we spend so much time reading and, and learning information that can't help anybody anywhere for eternity. Not that we can't have a, a hobby or two here and there, but it's so easy to let our attention be drawn on things that really don't matter. When it comes to prayer, we see David using this exhortation unto God in Psalms 143, verse 7. He says, Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. David was using uh, exhortation. He was, urge, he was, urging, he was uh, urgently asking God for something. We can use it. We can... Uh, we can use this type of urgency when it comes even to our prayer life. Though I think in this context, this exhortating is specifically to urgently, uh, the act of, urgent, uh, of thoroughly urging someone to do something. And we can urgently request God to do something for us when we're in danger. But we as Christians should learn to urgently present the gospel to people with urgency. With a sense of, you need this. If we, if pastors just nonchalantly just said, yeah, you should probably get saved, I, I recommend it. And then continue on with the story to make people laugh. There's not a sense of urgency, but when a preacher comes up and admonishes and says, you need to be saved. There's a hell waiting for you. There, there's, there, there's a life beyond this life. The urge, sense of urgency is needed in our world today. I feel, I feel like so many Christians today are losing that urgency. That, 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 that deep desire, that exhortation to be the Christian that they need to be. When was the last time you were urgent in your prayer unto God? When was the last time you were urgent or you urged somebody to live for Jesus? Or you urged somebody to be saved? Or you urged somebody to turn their life around? Maybe you need to urge yourself to turn your life around. Unto God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. We can easily lose our focus and zeal for God during this pandemic. It's easy to get lost giving our attention to worry and strife and 
constantly barraging ourselves with the news, which, by the way, is not healthy. Constant reading of the news is not healthy because the news just isn't a healthy place for, your, for, uh, for our mentality. It's good to be aware of what's going on, but uh, get the information you need and move on. Read something biblical. It's easy to lose our focus and zeal for God during pandemics or any time in life for that matter. Paul was telling Timothy, give your attention to reading, to learning, to studying. But not just that. Timothy, give your attention also to exhortation, to actively, thoroughly urging people of God, of the gospel. And then back in verse 13, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and last thing is to doctrine. To doctrine. I don't know about you, but doctrine requires reading and a bit of exhortation, a bit of urging, even of ourselves. Excuse me. We have reading, we have exhortation. Paul was also challenging Timothy to not only study and stay urgent in the work of the Lord, but also to continue in the doctrines that he had been taught or that he was learning in the scriptures. Look down in verse 16 of the same chapter, 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. Paul says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You catch that? Doctrine is not just profitable for us, but it's also profitable just to save ourselves. The doctrines of God's word are necessary. It's easy for a young person to hear the word doctrine and think, oh, doctrine equals adult. <laughs> Teens, I'm, I'm just a young person. I don't need to worry about doctrine right now. That's just for the aged, the wise, and the learned. Is it though? Doctrine is for Christians. And whether you realize it or not, you know certain doctrines of the Bible. You may not perhaps know them as well as a Bible scholar per se, but it is our obligation to give attention unto the doctrines of God's word, unto the teachings and the preachings of his word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in just, just a chapter before, and if you look in verse 14, the Bible says, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. He's still, he's still talking to Timothy. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture, here it is, is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the men of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. How do we learn doctrine? It's right here. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that's how we learn our doctrine, through the inspiration of God. So many people today are getting their doctrine from man, from man's philosophies, from man's ideas. This goes back to reading. Be careful what you read, because a lot of guys put their own ideology out there. They put their own doctrine out there. 
Some guys are clever too. They may even squeeze a verse or two in there. Usually it's only a part of the verse or one verse taken out of context and placed over in, on this side of the Bible. But sometimes they'll throw things in there to, to get you thinking, hmm, I wonder if pastor's aware of this. <laughs> Probably never heard of this. This is, this is good stuff. And then sometimes they'll bring it to pastor or they'll bring it to somebody and they'll say, yeah, you know what, this actually isn't right. But they'll go home and they've already convinced themselves that it's right. And before you know it, they're not anywhere near the church anymore. They've left. And this has happened on numerous, numerous occasions. Somebody listens to somebody on the internet or on the radio or they read a blog somewhere. And before you know it, they're confused. Where do you get your doctrine from? This book from God's word. Because this is what's inspired. This is what's holy. Man's words are not. Ask God for wisdom. If you have questions about things, this is where it's good to go to somebody who's, uh, more, who's knowledgeable in God's word, who's been studying it. Someone like pastor who's been studying it his whole life. There are even men in the church who have great knowledge in certain areas of God's word. Paul is challenging Timothy to continue in the doctrine that he had learned. But not just the doctrine that Paul was giving Timothy, but the actual inspired scriptures go to them. The Holy Scriptures, they are both perfect, inspired, and good for all of your doctrine. Consider the messages you've heard over the years from pastors, from evangelists, from missionaries. Some of you have been, you've grown up in church. You've heard thousands and thousands of sermons in your lifetime. Consider those the sermons directly from God's word. Consider all the verses and the chapters that you've read in the Bible throughout your lifetime. Pay attention, Christian. Pay attention to these things that have been taught. Pay attention when the preacher is preaching. When you come to church, pay attention to the pastor. Pay attention to the scriptures when they're being delivered. Open your Bibles and read with them. Pay attention to, to the missionaries when they come. The missionaries that have sacrificed their homes, have given up everything to preach the gospel. Listen to them. Listen to the words that they have to say. Pay attention to the speakers of the gospel. Pay attention to the Holy Ghost when you're doing your devotions and you're reading and, and the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Or when you're sitting in the pew and, and the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Pay attention to God, to His doctrine, to His word, to His preachers. How many sermons have we wasted in our life? How many sermons have we slept through? How many sermons have we daydreamed through? Or even just skipped completely? We didn't even attend. How many missions conferences have we missed? How many revival services have we found an excuse not to attend? How many days? How many weeks? How many months? How many years of our personal devotions have we missed in our life? Pay attention, Christian. Take heed. Give attendance unto readings, unto exhortation. And give your attention unto doctrine, the doctrines of God's word, of his holy scriptures. What are you giving your attention to? Are there things in your life that are bringing you closer to God? Or is there a lot of things in your life that are taking your attention away from God? Perhaps 
the only real time in life that you give your attention to God is at church. Maybe a, a morning or two a week. Maybe you watch a podcast and that's your attention to God for the day. What do you give your attention to? And would you allow for more attention in your life to be made to the one that could actually help you in life? To God. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the Bible. And I don't even know how many people were paying attention this evening. But it's important that we learn to pay attention to what is actually important in our life. To search our hearts now and to say, God, what am I filling my life with? What am I giving my attention to? 24 hours in a day. How, many, how much time of that is given in attention to you versus myself or my needs? Help us as Christians today to search our hearts and to consider these that Paul was exhorting Timothy to give his attention unto. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. At this time, we are going to transition to our offering time. And uh, by now, I'm sure you know the many ways that you can give, texting online. You can come by and deliver some, uh, to, to drop it off yourself if you'd like. But uh, as we go into our offer toward time, I, ch I challenge you to, to pray and ask the Lord, maybe in our giving, we can learn to give more attention unto what we give unto God. Our money, our, our, our time, our, our talents, whatever it may be. Let's give unto the Lord as he's blessed us uh, during this time. Let's give.